0: There's no place like Home for the Holidays or HomeDepot.com for holiday decor with great low prices on decorations inside and out, like artificial Christmas trees to light up the living room, outside lights and playful inflatables that bring joy to the neighborhood. Order online and you'll even get free delivery. Holiday decorating improved with a wide assortment of holiday decor from HomeDepot.com. How doers get more done. Free standard shipping on most online orders over $45. Some exclusions apply while supplies last. Here's the scenario. Your insurance company is denying your long-term disability claim despite the fact that you've paid premiums for years and your own doctor insists that you're not well enough to work. If this sounds familiar, call Goldfinger Personal Injury Law. You'll speak with me, Brian Goldfinger, a licensed and experienced lawyer who practices exclusively on behalf of accident victims, disability claimants, and their families. Visit goldfingerlaw.com and get us working for you.
2: Finals rematch of sorts, the return of Steph Curry after he missed roughly 58 games in this NBA season with a broken hand, a walking, flaming Norman Powell walking around while all, everything burned around him, including where they played the basketball game, and the Raptors technically, but not technically, clinching a playoff spot tonight with a victory, now 44-18. This is the Raptors Reaction Podcast. I am talking to you as Samson Folk, the host after the Raptors' 121-113 win over the Golden State Warriors. And yes, if I do sound tired, it's because I am. This was a very late start, 10.30 Eastern. So I'm going to run through the game. If there's any type of uh, fodder in this podcast, let's chalk it up to a lack of sleep or maybe a late bedtime. I don't know. which Whichever one sounds more appealing to you, the listener. But despite the late start time and what drove a lot of Torontonians, I guess, into a a later than usual uh, time for sleep, this game was really fun. There were a couple lulls in the game that was okay, but there was a lot of great basketball packed into it. The arena in San Francisco, the new Chase Arena, this is the first time the Raptors get to play in it, was definitely packed and excited for the return of Steph Curry. That definitely affected the energy of both teams. I think Kyle Lowry addressed that in his post-game press conference. Well, not press conference. I guess he just did the post-game sideline interview, but he talked about how the... The arena was energized by it, how they were energized by it, and the matchup, how they had to pay more attention since one of the best players in the world was on the Warriors at this junction of the season, how that drove them a little bit and just made them pay a little bit more attention, maybe step their game up a bit. And so we saw that off the start and especially from Kyle Lowry driving the Raptors offense early, really fast paced to this game, especially right off the start. Lowry is driving the Raptors in transition. Siakam looks pretty good, pretty sharp. And well, everybody on the Raptors doing a decent job. They look like they have it all together. Serge Ibaka rejoined the starting lineup for the first time in, I think, three games. So that was nice to see. And on the other side, I think Steph Curry granting his, his teammates a lot of room and spacing just off of his own gravity. He has the ball. He's not looking to shoot it early. He's looking to make his teammates better. The Raptors paying a lot of attention to any time Steph has the ball, especially when it looks like he's going to engage with the screen. They're overloading those sets, and Curry making a lot of good decisions outside of that, making the Raptors pay for overloading on him, and some of the Warriors hitting shots. The Raptors on the other side too. So what we see early on is a return to form for both offenses, both pouring it in early. So that was fun to see. Both teams doing a pretty good job with their shooters relocating, finding spots along the three-point line to get their shots off. The Raptors in particular, I thought, doing a better job on the inside. Pascal Siakam working pretty hard, pretty diligently to get himself looks, knifing in on the inside. And Serge Ibaka returning to that role of just being the consummate professional, getting into the lane either on the short roll or the full dive, or even the pick and pop every once in a while, and being the, the proper professional, the consummate, um, partner to Kyle Lowry's pick and roll game. And I thought that was great to see because that has been missing. That wasn't, uh, I guess that wasn't present at all. Really. I know Chris Boucher, he can have a ferocious dive every once in a while, but the consistent pick and roll game, we saw a return to that. Lowry obviously appreciating that a lot. Lowry doing a great job throughout the full quarter. I thought he was fantastic running the offense As Curry left the game, then popped back in, the Warriors, you could tell once the Raptors got adjusted to his gravity and how to play off of it, they saw that the Warriors weren't doing a great job of recognizing Curry or getting shots for him. That was pretty consistent all game. I don't think he was very dangerous off-ball because the Warriors still aren't used to that, but the Raptors, I think, on the other side, doing a really good job of revolving around Kyle building on his performance in that first quarter, him really driving the team, and they take a five-point lead going into the second quarter. A good step forward in that first quarter and looking like they have all the tools to walk away with this one and do so quite handily at that point in the game. And the the second quarter is pretty much where the whole storyline of this game, or one of the prominent storylines of this game, kind of pops off, and that's with Norman Powell doing a fantastic job of lighting up the the Warriors' defense, there's a lot of gaps in it. They are a bit mismatched, and it's a strange defense because, A, they're not very good, and just the discrepancies between heights and how they're not very good at accommodating their teammates' shortcomings makes for... If a player like Norman Powell, who is a quick twitch athlete who can also kill it from downtown, he can either... He'll come off a pin down like he did in this game in that second quarter, hit a three, but he can also attack the gaps that are sitting there in front of him if they climb over top, if they chase him on the pin down instead of going under. And so we saw that too. So that ended up with a great performance from Powell in the game, but a lot of his points coming in that second quarter. And I thought that also Terrence Davis, just to address it, he had two monster dunks, especially the one on Marquise Chris. In the second quarter, it wasn't a super great game for Terrence Davis. He had quite a few defensive mistakes and miscues. But not short on highlights, he had those two monstrous dunks. One was, it made me gasp, like scream. I couldn't believe that he threw it down that hard. It was was a culmination of unbelievable athleticism in a body for 20-some years, working its way until that moment. Growing up in Missouri... Growing up and knowing that one day he's going to throw down that dunk every time he works out his body, working closer to that pinnacle, I suppose I should say. And that's, he man, he popped off. He dunked all over the Warriors. It was a highlight worldwide. And it was, I if you haven't seen it, I really urge you to go find that highlight. Just type in Terrence Davis, the second dunk, and I'm sure that will be the first thing that comes up. But in, otherwise in that quarter, I thought Powell's the main story, doing such a great job of knifing through the Warriors' defense or shooting over top of it, really doing a fantastic job, completely lifting the Raptors' offense on his own, not even out of necessity, just that's what was in front of him. He did a great job of picking spots, attacking. And on the other side, I think the Warriors were mostly sustained by a run after Curry checked back into the game. It was a 7-0 run and then better offense towards the back end of the quarter. But in in the front end of the quarter, relying on Eric Pascal, He's a fantastic downhill player. I think it was Sean Woodley who highlighted that he looks like he's 6'2", he's actually 6'7", and plays like he's 6'10". I didn't get to watch a whole bunch of Charles Barkley in my lifetime, but in all the highlights, they seem to be kind of similar in the way that they have this fervor for the rim, this incredible bounciness to their game. And so I saw that tonight and it was impressive and definitely the Warriors rely on him in that sixth man role, especially tonight, to provide some offense. He did a pretty good job of that. His passing, um, not, not super great, but he got enough attention to attract enough players over that he could create a little bit for some of his teammates. And I think he did a decent job of that in the second quarter. But otherwise, the Warriors having a pretty tough time. Well, vexed honestly by the Raptors' defense. The Raptors' defense doing a good job of limiting their their easy shots. They're not letting them get out in transition either because of their uh, proficiency on the on on the offensive end on the other side. And even though they got a little bit closer towards the end of the first half, Lowry and Siakam had a nice little counter punch for the Raptors to take them up seven into halftime. So pretty good basketball from both teams, I think the Warriors operating with a lower bar to hit. But doing so, I think there there were some nice things to see from them. There was a moonshot from Curry, an absolute, it'll catch you in your throat type of shot. And it wasn't a buzzer beater towards the end of the, or sorry, for the end of the quarter, but he beat the shot clock and it was, I would say probably about between 28 to 30 feet and fading too. So showing off that really strong core, that wonderful jump shot that builds from, down low and springing through his body to hit, you know, that 30-foot shot on a fadeaway, and it dropped in really pure. But the Raptors, they they did a good job, and I think both teams operating at a decent pace and definitely good basketball to watch for the the average fan or the invested Warriors fan or the invested Toronto fan. But going to the third quarter, Lowry, he came out shooting and looked like he wanted to put the Warriors away early. It seemed like they were going to do that. They had a decent thing going. But I think we ran into a bit of the, it, it happens every couple of games, probably the, the Siakam drought where maybe he's getting stuck not four feet away from the rim, but he's stuck at seven, eight feet away from the rim and the defense starting to clamp down on him. Maybe that push shot is just a little bit too far. Maybe that fader he's trying to, to pivot into is just a little bit too far. Or he's just not able to create off the dribble, really. Maybe we're seeing end of shot clock um, shots from guys like Patrick McCaw. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson being on the floor as well. It makes it difficult, I think, for the team to create. Maybe the the burden gets a little bit too high for Siakam and Co. But with Lowry off the floor, the Warriors with a massive run and bringing it back to within one point. I think it was on a Marquise Chris alley um, and a couple turnovers stacked on top of one another, missed shots. It looked like the Raptors were on the ropes a little bit, but who who else comes through? Norman Powell, I think, with a great response. Even though Eric Pascal hit a three on one of the next possessions for the one of the next couple possessions for the Warriors down. He's not a great three point shooter, but he put it up, hit it. The Warriors took their first lead in the game. I think it was eighty six, eighty five. It was their first lead since they were leading 3-0 after Damian Lee hit that first three pointer to start the game. But immediately after that, Norman Powell speeds down the court for an end one, finishing in transition and that was the key to getting this thing back under control for the Raptors is that return to better defense and really impressive transition offense and so at the end of the third quarter the Raptors not getting any transition offense and on defense just allowing too many makes to uh, a Warriors team that doesn't have Steph Curry in the game. Andrew Wiggins getting downhill too easily on those handoff plays. Eric Pascal drawing too much attention. And Marquise Chris having a lot of lanes, be just being a rim runner and kind of causing a bit of havoc on the back end of the Raptors defense. But that you know, that's that's how it shakes out sometimes. Obviously Nick Nurse wasn't that affected by it because to start the fourth quarter, he rolled out a what seems like an absurd lineup to do it in that scenario, but it was Davis the second, who had been outside of his big dunks, it was a pretty poor performance for him. He was kind of sloppy with the ball, wasn't hitting that many of his shots, although he did hit one to start the fourth quarter, a three. Nice to see, of course. But a lot of defensive miscues and just not not his best game, of course. He's still, I think, trying to work his way around the rookie wall. But Terrence Davis the second, Patrick McCaw, Ronde Hollis, Jefferson, Matt Thomas, and O. G. So OG is obviously a wonderful player. Everybody has a lot of love for him. Rondé Hollis-Jefferson as well. He is just... Rondé Hollis-Jefferson, I think, even though we didn't see much of him in this game, is because he is very much matchup dependent. He's, kind of, he's, he's a niche player, and the Raptors, it's good for them to have niche players. They have a unique roster, and it's good that they can plug him in sometimes. But in this game, he was having a lot of trouble. Patrick McCaw, um, in a lot of games... Obviously, the, the Raptors fandom and writers, not a huge fan of his. Not not as a person or anything, just usually wanting to go with another player over him. But I think in this game, definitely, it's justified to play him. I thought that he did fine. It's not like he's the best offensive player we've ever seen. But even last game when they played the Suns, I thought his ball denial On Devin Booker was pretty good. His defense was pretty good. And Terrence Davis didn't play well in that Phoenix Suns game either. I think the real problem with this lineup was playing Rondé Hollis Jefferson. That was the tough thing to get by. And McCaw was fine. So I don't think he should receive any ire if there is any for him. So I think he fit into this game well enough. Although that lineup was not super great. But the Warriors and the Raptors both struggled immensely to score for the first roughly four minutes of the fourth quarter Lowry checks back in and I think everybody started to breathe a little bit easier. Not only did the defense pick up, but the passes that were being made, the outlet passes, Lowry started collecting a lot of those long rebounds, getting the Raptors going in transition. They, they built up a lead again. Everything started to settle a little bit and it was like Lowry said, okay, guys. I've got this. And that was nice to see because Lowry, the last time he played the Warriors, was completely to start Game 6 of the finals when he scored, scored the first 11 points. was a, I got this moment, guys. It's It's fine. And I think there was a sentiment that once Curry came back into the game, all hell might break loose defensively. But that actually wasn't the case. The Raptors, I thought, did a really good job of limiting his, his ability to get his shots off and a really good job of paying attention to the gravity he was pulling in on their defense and being conscientious of the back end. So I thought they handled that really well. Lowry leading the team just towards the, the goal line at this point. And Norm Powell also closing this game. Fantastic job. And some things went a little bit haywire down the stretch. Uh, it was Norm Powell. He had a a turnover and... I believe at this point it was 117-113 for the Raptors, and he fouled Damian Lee as well. Damian Lee missed both free throws. Marquise Chris got the rebound on the second, passed it back out to Damian Lee, who missed a three, and it seemed like, okay, the Raptors have it from this point out. That set of circumstances or happenings, I guess, in some crazy way, actually did lead to Norm being able to get his career high. Of course, that wasn't Malice aforethought on his end, so he could have more, I guess, free throw attempts, but he certainly he did end up that way, so he finished with 37. The Raptors finish 121-113. to 113. Great to see. Super fun game. Really rewarding to see Norm get his career high. I thought OG Ananobi was fantastic. Even though he was quiet, he was, I thought, so good defensively and just really, really solid offensively. Hitting his shots under the radar, but fantastic game from OG. Kyle, I mean, Norm Powell had the 37 points, but I think Kyle was the best player on the floor tonight. Steph Curry, a close second or third, depending on how you see his overall impact on how his teammates get open, whatever whatever you want to apply to it. And Pascal Siakam, I think a tough game for him. Just, we see this happen. He's adjusting to a role as the go-to guy. Luckily for him, he plays with a guy like Kyle Lowry, who is so fantastic and wonderful. It's hard to believe that Kawhi Leonard willingly left a partnership with Kyle Lowry, knowing how fantastic he is, but them's the breaks, kid, I guess. And I uh, just want to highlight... Serge Ibaka, I thought he banged around on the boards. He was important in that role, and Godspeed to him. Well done, Serge, and I hope you're healthy for the rest of the season. But the Raptors, they managed to pull this one out. Good news, 44-18 and at this point in the season, I believe. Lots of fun, and the Reggie Evans Award, I believe it should go to Norm Powell if you come in and you're not typically known as even an above 20-point-per-game scorer, even though I think within or known to Raptors fans, is that Norm can go get you 20 really quickly, whether it's as a starter or off the bench. He's been fantastic pouring it in. But to, to see him do it on a TNT broadcast with Kevin Harlan and Reggie Miller watching on, Kevin Harlan very tempted to say his name wrong or something after calling O.G. Anobi, quote, O.G. Anobi, like six times on the broadcast. But regardless, Norman Powell doing it in front of so many people, being so efficient, 13-20 from the field, 4-8 of eight from downtown, a true monster, and he, he's, he's a great addition to this Raptors offense. And it'll be tough in the playoffs to try and phase him out of closing lineups. I think it'll end up being one of Fred Van Vliet's OGNN or Norman Powell is going to be cut from closing lineups. And that's a crazy thought to think because they're all so good and they all bring different things to the offense, but one of them probably won't be closing and you wonder which one it'll be, but they're all auditioning for that, that last role. And I I think Fred will almost certainly be in there and whether or not that's the right thing to unequivocally just have Fred in there. I'm not sure it might be more matchup dependent and I don't think it'll be, I don't think nurse would ignore that either, but it's a, it's a consideration, so shout out to Powell, our Reggie Evans Award winner, for taking another step towards trying to get into that closing lineup for the playoffs, maybe. The top quick action comment is from B. Herbs. says, win is a win. Great games from Norm and Kyle, and great finish by Pascal. Yeah, Pascal did have two really nice um, finishes down the stretch. Good Good closing performance, I would say. Um, although that last remark is from me. Back to his comment, quote, On the topic of Pascal, there are way too many people kicking the guy when he's down around here. He's in a mini-funk they happen to every player, chillax on passing harsh judgments at the guy's worst level shown all year. He's a lot better than three of the last four games have shown, and we all know it. He's a year away from being top 10, and that's totally fine, but he's a tremendous player and certainly doesn't deserve the hate for not getting better faster, especially considering how far he's come in 20 months, end quote. Yeah, I think I agree with that, almost resoundingly. There's He's had a rough couple of games, and there's plenty of reasons to ascribe for why that's happening that are externalities, but also that are his fault, and that's, that's how it is for a star player. You receive a lot of blame, and that's them's the breaks. Once again, that's a, it's a tough thing to be. It's a tough thing to do. But also, I do think that the discourse is soured around him a little bit too much. And maybe too much is expected too fast. And maybe forgetting what he's accomplished so far already. He did just start the All-Star Game. Even though Raptors fans might be looking at these past couple games and saying to themselves, Oh, Pascal isn't there yet. You can you can bet your life that when he walks into an opposing arena, he's the number one guy on the scouting report. Teams want to stop Pascal Siakam. He's being treated as such, and he has to click into another gear so that he can get around that type of defense and that type of scouting report. He's been great at adjustments his whole career. He's shown a wonderful acumen for improving and building himself up and completely adding different things to his repertoire. His bag is as deep as ever, and I I expect him to keep working, keep improving. And so I hope the, the discourse improves a little bit with Pascal Siakam, and he deserves a lot of love, but so do a lot of the Raptors. So. Beerbs, thanks for commenting. See you all the time. Almost always insightful and uh, positive. I actually can't remember something that wasn't. So thanks for bringing your voice to the website. And for me, that's it. A Raptors win to go home on. It's late. I'm out of here. But whether you're getting into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye.
0: Just in time for the holidays, fill your home and your season for less at HomeDepot.com. With up to 40% off a wide assortment of select bedding and bath linens. Update your bed or bath online, right from the comfort of your own cozy couch. Even get free delivery and flexible returns. How's that for holiday cheer? Up to 40% off. Holiday home decor improved from HomeDepot.com. How doers get more done. Online only. Free delivery on select items $45 or more. Visit HomeDepot.com
1: for more information.